This time loop thing. How did you get out of it? I simply boosted the circuits and broke free. You came back of your own accord? Well, I... Doctor? No. No, I'm afraid not. No, obviously the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. Everybody and welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world, and I have to deal with them. I'm your host Molly Marsh, coming to you from my bedroom again. Um, even though it's super duper sunny outside, I've I've spent the entire morning indoors um, editing the podcast. Uh, actually, haven't been editing the podcast all morning. I've been watching um, clips of Martin Lewis, the money saving expert, on YouTube as well. Um, Can you tell that my girlfriend is away at the moment? Um, Anyway, um, I, I, yeah, I've been editing the podcast for you, so uh, you're welcome. Uh, This week I spoke to Samantha Harden, uh, a writer who I first became aware of um, due to an article that she wrote for The Time Ladies um, a little while back about companions of colour in Doctor Who and um, Doctor Who's varying portrayal of uh, companions of colour. We talk about that article a little bit at the start of our conversation. And then, of course, um, Sam shared some unpopular opinions with me. Uh, first, we talked about Danny Pink, uh, and then we talked about um, the Lazarus experiment. Uh, and then, uh, at the end, we, we had a little extra unpopular opinion chat, uh, but I'll leave you to discover the, the topic of that one for yourself. It's, it was great um, talking to Sam, I'm really actually enjoying, I thought I'd, I was kind of done with uh, doing internet Skype podcasts, but obviously the lockdown has forced me back into it. And actually, I'm really enjoying connecting with people uh, on the other side of the planet. Um, and it it has been a nice reminder of the fact that the Doctor Who community is not just uh, in London, uh, which is which is always lovely. Um, another admin point this week. Uh, I am taking part in a panel online on uh, Saturday 25th of July um, at 7pm UK time as part of something called Webcon, um, which is raising money for a charity called Alight, um, which is doing work with refugees um, affected by the coronavirus uh, crisis. Uh, The panel's happening over on um, Webcon's YouTube channel. I'll put a link in the description to where you can find it. We're all going to be talking about Series 13 and predictions for Series 13 and even some of our own ideas of where we would take Series 13 if we were able. Um, And there's some amazing uh, panellists taking part, um, uh, namely Council of Geeks, TARDIS uh, Monkey, Harbo Hooms, our good friend uh, of the podcast, Mr. Tardis, Will Carlyle, uh, Trilby Reviews, that's uh, one person, not three, uh, believe it or not. JXC, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, and it's going to be moder- moderated by Justin Ashbrook. So if you want to tune into that, um, 
next week uh next weekend uh then please please do uh, but in the meantime you've got a podcast to listen to so without further ado please enjoy my conversation with samantha harden okay <laughs> nearly forgot to start the recording there that would have been really really bad for everyone involved <laughs> Great. Yeah, so I'm here with um, Sam Harden, uh, writer, Doctor Who fan. How would you describe yourself, Sam? Um, I am, I've been a Doctor Who fan for about maybe seven years. Um, and I currently live in the D.C. area. And I've just really been enjoying the community since I stumbled upon it on my own. <laughs> great yeah I, I first became aware of you through the article you wrote was it two, two years ago now or, or, or last year for, yeah. for the time ladies um yeah I think it was about two years ago I did a I did one on like comparisons of color in general and then I did a small one just on the episode Rosa right yeah 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 so I, I think it was the, the yeah the companions of color article that I that I initially saw um yeah. really yeah really enlightening article great to see like um your perspective on on every single companion of color from from you who was great awesome thank you so much and it, w- it was great to hear kind of the positive side as well as the more some of the more critical angles as well right right yeah i just you know being a fan and like being a fan you know of color especially you just um you'll enjoy everything about the show obviously but you know there are things that will stick out to you and mm. you just have a lot of feelings and it's sometimes it's sometimes tricky to find other people who will completely understand that point of view and sometimes you just have to like get them out <laughs> yeah no i can imagine doctor who land is is quite a white place right yeah yeah a bit <laughs> It was interesting to me, obviously, that article was, I was rereading it this morning, and obviously it was written pre-Whitaker, Chibnall era. Right, um, And right. That you make some references in the article, so we'll see how things develop when, you know, the new right, companions right. come along. What has your experience been then, if you were to kind of update that article today, with the, the new characters we've had since then, what, what would you kind right. of add to it? Right. Honestly, I am. I absolutely love Ryan's character. I love Yaz. Um, I think that definitely it's it's so much because it's it's funny because you know obviously um, Freema was the first compa- the first black companion we had, and it, it seems like so long ago, even though it wasn't really that long ago, but the dynamic has so completely changed and you can just feel how like television itself has changed since then. Um, But I really loved, I really am loving the fresh take it's having with the characters and they honestly just seem so light and happy. Like I know, like I know Ryan is going through everything as far as like losing his grandma, which is a completely other thing. Like, didn't love that. I don't think a lot of people did. <laughs> but like Ryan as a character, um, as like being full of humor, being full of light, um, having some issues, but honestly not being disregarded or shoved aside like a lot of, especially like black men in the show have been. It's just been really refreshing to see. Yeah, he definitely feels more listened to by the Doctor than than people like Mickey and, and Danny were. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's it's interesting hearing you talk there a little bit about uh, obviously Grace's death and that's a that's a character note that I obviously wasn't I wasn't too keen on that myself. Um, it, it just seems when we when we see these little glimpses of Grace in in uh, visions or in flashback, it 
you just really feel the loss of that character and like right. it would have been so great to see more of her in my opinion anyway. yeah yeah and then that and that's the thing is like i was i was so excited for the new series um when it first came out and i really i did enjoy the episode but when i got to that moment i was just i didn't understand why <laughs> like why it was necessary and the weird um, thing why, yeah. yeah the weird thing about <laughs> it for me as well is that um they put so much emphasis on that driving graham's character development which is understandable because oh, yeah. he was her husband but mm-hmm. they they seem to act like Ryan like kind of doesn't care as much even though she was his gran and Mm -hmm. she brought him up and it's a weird like yeah it's a weird thing they missed I think right I'm very of two minds about it because like I said I really enjoy um seeing Ryan be the kind of character he is and just like letting him breathe and and be like full of light and life but um the fact that it, it has basically just been used to further Graham's character development throughout the series um and i like graham i really do but i've just had a hard time completely <laughs> accepting him as another member of the stars because it feels like at times it's just um like like i said i really enjoy his character but it feels like the show has jody as the doctor the show has um yaz and it has ryan and it's like oh wait we forgot we do have to have a white guy on the show <laughs> um like as a main character and i was like oh okay <laughs> yeah this is the tension and the difficulty right. i have with graham is that is that you know often he's given like the moments of wisdom and the moments of exactly. comedy that would have traditionally been given to the doctor and it's almost like yeah like a bit of a loophole um that the shows that the shows exploited in order to just have a white exactly. man exactly do all the doctor stuff exactly. anyway. sometimes not all the time and i do like graham and i do like bradley bradley walsh's performance exactly <laughs> um but yeah it's it, it's a bit of a strange one it, it seemed to me like back in series 11 like i'm thinking about um there are a couple of scenes in the ghost monument where um graham and ryan are talking about about grace's death and it seemed like then they were going for a sort of Graham being more emotionally available than Ryan and and trying to having to and sort of having to coax him out of his like Ryan was bottling his feelings up and right. uh, Graham was coaxing him out of that kind of toxic masculinity sort of uh exactly. mind state but, it, but they never really went anywhere with that for me anyway Exactly. And it's really funny because like like I know like specifically like I know in general talk to masculinity so think specifically in like the black community like talking about your feelings mm. it it's really tough um like just as an aside like my family just experienced a loss and like getting my brothers to talk about it is is a whole ordeal and so I completely relate to that aspect of you know Ryan not being able to talk about it but it does feel like if it had been the other way around and you know Grace was the one who had survived and she was going through Ryan I feel like I would have just appreciated it a little bit more because it would have been like an inner community discussion and like view on how we deal with these traumas but and it and it's not that it, it it didn't mean it wasn't nice you know coming from Graham it's just it could have been more it, it and could I have been like something different the constant right? thing exactly yeah, the yeah. constant thing is like you'll go some of the way and then you won't commit to <laughs> the you know the themes which it, is just a little disappointing yeah. at times what what about your stance on on um the fugitive doctor then joe martin as as the doctor because some people are kind of uh, coming at that from a similar perspective of oh it's a shame that the, the the kind of first black doctor or the first doctor of color at all is is this sort of side doctor what's your what's your stance there 
Right. I honestly, I was so excited to have her in the first place. Um, I'm so sorry. That's my dogs in the background. <laughs> um, That's okay. Don't worry. I, <laughs> I was so excited to have her, and I honestly really enjoyed the finale overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think that her being the kind of of installment as like the whole theme with the doctor like opening all the doors of all the people the doctor could be i don't think it's a bad thing um i honestly really enjoyed it because i always i don't think i've ever wanted to like close off possibilities in the show um i find that what actually what will make the story mean something in the end is like what they end up doing with said possibilities but i'm not usually one to automatically be annoyed um Mm. for like opening up something so broad as long as something's actually done with it so i think i would be very disappointed if she didn't come up again or if in the next doctor casting they did go with just another white person um after all of this time and all the discussion we've had about it but sure. and all of the fans support like the fans yeah. the fans love joe martin and i think she's ho- brilliant hopefully yeah. <laughs> uh, the production team listened to that um, and, exactly. and have her back exactly. in some more permanent form. Exactly. And she was so dynamic in the short amount of time that she had that I really, like, it's not, I don't feel like necessarily I've been, quote, like, thrown a bone. I honestly feel like they're trying something, and if they actually commit to it and follow through, I'll be very happy about it. So Great. Fingers crossed then, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, let's rewind a little bit, and and I want to ask you about how you got into... Blimey, that dog is very oh, enthusiastic. So Actually, give me one second. That's okay. I'm going to grab my sister. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. No, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to ask about like how you got into Doctor Who originally. And um, yeah, obviously, it's it's more popular than it was in the uh, before in the States now, but it's still not quite quite the same as it is here. And yeah, what was your route to being a Doctor Who fan? Um, it's really funny. The first Doctor Who episode I actually saw offhand was Fear Her. Um, (laughs) I used to do this thing in high school where, like, iTunes would give away free episodes. So I could just download random free episodes, and they gave away Fear Her. And I was like, this was really delightful. But I just watched it, and I didn't go back to it. And then a few years later, um, I'd heard some stuff about it. And iTunes was doing, like, a promotion because Matt Smith was, like, it was, like, a promotion of like matt smith's new season and it just showed little clips of him from the 11th hour and there was just so much magic in the scene and uh steven moffat was just talking about the what he would bring to the screen and it just looked like exactly my cup of tea and it's really funny because i've always been like very like at least vaguely into nerdy stuff but usually solely because i grew up with a lot of books and just like engaging in the fandom with myself like Uh (laughs) anything I was liking I was liking on my own um and I knew friends had like talked about it before but no one had ever said oh you would like this so I kind of just was like okay I'm gonna start and I'll start with Matt Smith um because his doctor pulled me in and I started and I never went back it was amazing (laughs) that's so cool and so when did you kind of find other fans online is that something you're kind of into now or, or not yeah, yeah. I um, I don't think I think the online community came like probably m- almost a year or so after I'd been like, mm. yeah, probably like a year or so after I'd been like hardcore a fan. 
Um, and that was mostly through Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and it was it was just really delightful because I've always loved. I'm just a very like. I grew up in um, a very like religious household, but mm-hmm. like in a certain way, in like we're like very into analyzing, you know, scriptures, et cetera, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like even though that's not a thing that I'm like, I don't have like a strong faith now. It's just something I've always grown up doing is like overanalyzing text, overanalyzing any art and just like, sure. you know, really deep diving into it. So being in that community was like, it felt very familiar, but also very new and wonderful. Oh, and yeah. I was we, just we very Doctor Who fans love a bit of overanalysis, <laughs> that's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> and have you, have you revisited Fear Her since your, since your first watch of it all those years ago? Oh, of course. Yeah. I am a very, um, I would typically go on like mood watches. So I might watch a bit of 10 or like maybe Martha series or Martha's run. But yeah, I've definitely revisited a few times since. And like every time since I think I've had a, a better appreciation of it. <laughs> oh, that's so great that someone's out there. Um, picking up for fear. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I watched it again recently and it's, I still don't love it, but there are things that I, I love I about it. I completely understand. <laughs> um, the, the council acts, you know. <laughs> oh my word. That's one of the best parts of it though. It's fantastic. Um, great. I, are we ready to move on to unpopular opinions? Maybe we are. Maybe of we course. are. Um, great. Yeah. I suppose <laughs> we, we'll talk about Danny Pink first. You'll tell me if that happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's a deal. No, it's a promise. Okay, I promise. And if you break that promise, Clara will finish. Don't say that. I'm saying it because if you don't tell me the truth, I can't help you. And I could never stand not being able to help you. Are we clear? Yes. Um, I should have really segued from, from talking about your article to talking about Danny Pink. Oh, it's um, quite fun. <laughs> yeah, because you talk about Danny Pink in, in that article. But you, yeah, you like him more than other people do, I think. Yeah, yeah, I do. And honestly, I didn't understand. That was the thing, because I didn't really understand um, the the great dislike for him from the beginning. Because I, I think it comes down to expectation of, like, when you're advertised a character or a new character. Like, I know a lot of people were assuming Danny would be, like, a new companion. And I completely understand mm. that. Um, and I think that's the difference in like the way I typically watch things because like I'll eat up whatever advertisements or whatever they're doing, but I kind of go in with a blank slate of expectations because I just like being presented a story and just like eating it up, you know? So maybe I thought he would be a companion, but when he just turned out to be just a person, I think I was like quite fine with it. Um, so I think a lot of the criticism that I usually hear for Danny is along the lines of he's controlling or um, either, I feel like it's either he's very boring or he's very controlling. Um, And it's very funny because like um, the doctor's always going on about like having a thing, like at least in series eight, he kept going on about having a thing against soldiers. And I've always been like a very like, anti-military person not as in like individual people but just as a structure um but what I really enjoyed about Danny's character is that um and he says it he says it so many times to Clara when she's spiraling but it's just he just wants the truth and he wants honesty and I think so many I, I think so many relationships on tv will be portrayed with a lot of characters 
being dishonest with each other and then nobody actually come to terms with it mm. or at least in like not a healthy way and i think the thing i really enjoyed about danny is that he is a black man he is defying certain character expectations um for instance when the teacher's asking him what he got up to that weekend and um and to the Dalek and he's like I was just reading and she's like I bet you were and he's like no I was just reading um <laughs> he's just a, a gentle um quiet kind of person and he does say exactly what he means typically so when Clara is trying to make up all of these things about why he sh- why she should or should not go off with the doctor he specifically says I don't care what you do I just need to have the truth and that's all I need in this relationship. I need you to be honest with me. Yeah. And the Frank. And I think yeah. that's something Clara struggles with as well. Cause she's, oh, she's such a, um, she's such a loose cannon. Yeah. And she's, she compartmentalizes, which is something that I do a lot. And so it's like very, it's very enlightening because like, I, I love Clara as a character, um, but she was a hot mess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so just seeing someone actually talk to her frankly and say, Hey, Hey, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. Yeah. I just need you to know that you need to be honest with me because that's the bare minimum of respect that we need in a relationship. And I thought that was so, it was so wonderful because I don't feel like that's the thing you often see where people are just very upfront about like the basic boundaries that you have. He's ex- excellent set of boundaries. And I think that's something that more people could use to see. Um, and I just really appreciate that about his character. Definitely. There, there was there was a certain there are things I like and there are things I don't like about Danny Pink. But there, you're right that there's a an equilibrium uh, in his relationship with Clara that isn't there in Clara's relationship with the Doctor. Exactly. Um, you know, Clara and the Doctor are so alike in their tendency to lie and to manipulate people um, and to be reckless. And, and Danny's not like that at all. Um, and I think that's really useful for Clara to have a presence like that in her life. And then it's obviously um, tragic when. Danny gets hit by the car and, and, and Clara doesn't have that in her life anymore. Um, exactly. I do think there is there is grounds for people's claims that he's... There are grounds for people's claims that he is a little bit controlling. I, I don't... It doesn't sit right with me the way that he talks to Clara. It's not always mm-hmm. what he's saying. It's often how he's saying it. So he'll say things like, um, am I clear? Do you know what I mean? It seem, it's yeah. it's kind mm-hmm. of far... It's fatherly. It's authentic authoritarian in a way that, that I completely understand right with me I completely understand I, that's because I completely understand people saying that and people taking that from that because initially when he says those things like when he'll say things in that tone that would be my initial reaction too mm-hmm. it's always the follow-through for me um so he'll say like you said I need to be clear mm. and it does sound very it does sound very harsh but then you look at his face and you look at her face and then he'll follow up with just be I'm not telling you mm. <laughs> he'll follow up with I'm not telling you to do this all I want is the truth and I like if, if you cannot tell me the truth I cannot continue in this relationship and I think what I'm taking from it is that I have a hard time setting boundaries mm. um so I think that I just really respect the the the, the definitiveness in his tone when he does say that, because um, I think all of his actions following up after that point very clearly indicate, like um, specifically um, in when in Mummy on the Orient Express, when Clara's on the phone with him, she's going off about the doctor and how he's irritating her and this and that and how, you know, maybe she should dump him. And he's like, well, you can't dump him because you're not dating. And then secondly, don't over, don't like, don't 
um, overreact to this in, in a way. He doesn't actually say that because that is a little bit patronizing as far as like if, if that had been what he had said. But he basically said, um, you're just having fun. Um, everything's safe. There's no reason for you to um, be angry with him at this moment because, you know, he's still your friend. And he's basically encouraging her to keep this relationship like open and safe. Um, as long as they're being safe and honest with each other, which is like, I think the exact opposite of what she's saying, Danny is saying, like when she tells the doctor um, that Danny had the problem with her actually interacting with her and the, him in the first place, which is completely untrue. <laughs> yeah, it's not true. Um, <laughs> and I think uh, uh, for, from an audience perspective, you can, she sort of, she kind of manipulates us into thinking that as an audience, because we we don't see a whole lot well, of Danny well, by comparison she, to Clara. She literally, she literally has these frank conversations with him where he says, you know, have fun, be safe. Mm. And then she'll literally turn around in the next scene and say, Danny doesn't like me talking to you. Because she has, to have, she has to have the, the control, right? She has to oh, feel I like she... Yeah, yeah she's... exactly. Like, I'm upset. I, like, I love Clara, but... but yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's very clearly doing the exact opposite and it makes Definitely. that's what i was saying it's like i think i mentioned that in the articles it makes him look like he's controlling and mm. if um like later on um like if 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 she had gone off she she had projected this image of like danny as far as like be he she did she projected this controlling image of danny i think that's mm. the main thing and i think honestly it comes back more into relief with like everything that's going on surrounding like like a specific kind of like white womanhood, mm. um, the specific kind of white womanhood that gets people into trouble. People, I mean, black men. <laughs> yeah. um, and like I mentioned that a little bit in the article, but like it's just especially this year is like coming back into sharp mm. focus. But like black men live this like loaded life all the time. Yeah. Um, they are always projected as like a threat. It's always a thing they cannot shake. So mm. Danny is specifically has, and it's not an image that he's creating. He just is this way. And literally everybody he comes in contact with, everybody tries to say something else. And I know the show isn't doesn't lean into certain stereotypes that might say, oh, it's because he's black. But I mean, it's there. I mean, I know a lot of the a, a lot of um, my associates in like the in the in the black Doctor Who community like have a huge problem with the fact that. Um, Capaldi's doctor continues to refer to him as PE throughout, mm. even though he teaches maths and like. In well, the that, show, that to me seems a... seems similar to the, the doctor's treatment of Mickey. Like, I think there are oh, parallels sure. there where it's like, oh, a thousand percent, a know, thousand percent. Re watching series one and two recently and watching the doctor like call Mickey an idiot and exactly. Um, I think he even calls him like a stupid ape at one point, which sits, he does. He literally very does. weirdly, yeah. mm -hmm. and it's not as if like it's not as if Russell or Stephen are writing those characters thinking oh yeah let's let's bully this black guy but i mm -hmm. think it, it's that lack of awareness that lets those it's kind of toned mistakes up. exactly yeah. yeah exactly and and i am like 12 is my favorite doctor but still like i he keeps saying it's because he's army but it still doesn't sit right um mm. he'll say this about him he'll say all these things indicating that he's unintelligent mm. the desk woman is basically calls him a womanizer even though she doesn't even know him mm. um and then clara who's the person who knows him best 
N is the person who, he has no family. He has nobody around him. He's the first, she's the person who knows him best. And she's too busy, caught up in her own nonsense and trying to con- very meticulously control her own life that she will put this image out into the world of yeah. him being controlling, et cetera. Even though he's very clear about his boundaries and that he has no problem with her living her life as long as she keeps her mental health in check. And that's another thing is that he has such a huge awareness of mental health and what these kind of people mm. like, what what the kind of effect that this can have on your life because um i think i wrote this down when i was going over this i i um i actually was thinking about it and which will come up later um relation to the lazarus experiment um because one of the things i noticed for that was that there is a very interesting foil between lazarus's character and a doctor and i was just saying um i think it's kind of closely discussing like exploitation and like whether it's still quote exploitation whether or not it's intended so i just think that danny is so tuned in to basically the inescapable exploitation that is being the doctor's friend quote unquote because he's been so hugely associated with an organization that is all about exploitation even yeah, if I mean, you he, have he these draws close relationships with to these that, people doesn't it? he draws attention to that at one point exactly. where he kind of compares the doctor to uh authoritarian figures in the military um exactly and he knows that you can have these close relationships and it might not even be like intended that the doctor is exploiting you but like rory said once upon a time Mm. you know you get people you are the worst because people want to put themselves in danger to help you and they do and it's and you use people and everybody said that to the doctor and that danny's one of the first people who doesn't even spend any time with him who just you know he just immediately sees it and he's not also blown away by the wonder because he's seen everything. Rory really hadn't seen that much in his mm-hmm. life. Danny said, mm-hmm. I've been there. I've done that. I've seen everything I need to see. And like the quote, I pulled this quote from in the forest of the night, which is kind of a mess, but I really enjoy some of the, the moments of Clara and Danny talking in it. Yeah. He says, I don't want to see more things. I want to see the things that are in front of me more clearly. There are wonders here, Clara. One person is more amazing and hard, harder to understand, but more amazing than universes. Mm. And I love that about his character. He just, he's very over the the frivolity he's that is wanting to see all ma- the things. Mature. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's what it comes off. It's like kind of like annoying and arrogant, but it's, it's actually like a very chill, very just resigned, but yeah. like not in a bad way, energy. And I think that it can rub people all, a lot of the time the wrong way, it's but I think... Way, yeah honestly it's not malicious at all i think yeah i yeah i was gonna say no i I just think it's it's also to do with the the kinds of male characters we're used to seeing especially in stephen moffat's doctor who exactly danny really sticks out as a very self-assured um very um yeah self-assured strong world uh all uh he's got himself together masculine figure whereas exactly usually moffat's male characters are um projections of him so they're sort of they're sort of weak um yeah weak weak subordinate characters that haven't really got their shit together and yeah i'm thinking of people like like rory and even the doctor to an extent it's it's right, rare, it's rare right. that that Moffat gives us a male character who really knows what's going on and yeah isn't just you know 
gawping in awe of all the female right. characters constantly. And I wouldn't even say that like Rory, like he doesn't Rory doesn't strike me as weak. Rory's masculinity is also very beautiful, but he just he's so in the shadow of Amy the entire time mm. as mm. far as like trying to prove that he's good enough for her. And Danny's not doing that. And also like Mickey, Mickey the same way, because I think I mentioned like in that article, when Mickey comes back like better, more assured yeah. and like more forceful, he's so aggressive. Mm. And like it's a very other stereotype. And like it's not that I don't like Mickey when he, you know, levels up essentially, but he does become so aggressive that it is like it's it's um it's very performative in a way and it's a performative masculinity you see a lot. So I think it's just kind of disappointing in, contrast, in yeah. a way because yeah. there's so many things <laughs> about Mickey um when he obviously he's he's a bit um he's a bit of a weasel when we first meet him and he he could mm-hmm. definitely do with he could definitely do with um sticking up for himself a little bit more but he yeah he kind of goes against the grain of lots and lots of of black male stereotypes and exactly that yeah that does kind of disappear when we get into end of season two and and his later appearances in, in season four and stuff exactly and then danny just appears like this full formed you know with trauma but very self-assured very gentle masculine character mm. who doesn't need to be impressed or to impress anybody and i just find it so comforting and refreshing and honestly i hadn't seen like i honestly can't think of another character on television who he reminds me of like i can't think mm. of a single one right now um and you know a, a lot of like you see a lot of different archetypes of black male characters on television and he's just it's it's i think it's great and for him to show up in a series of doctor who that mostly isn't even about him just yeah. as a foil for clara i thought it was really great and i really appreciated it because i know um like moffat had gotten a lot of flack for not fleshing out clara and series seven which I never really gave him much flack for because I think half a season is only so much. Um, so to come back in with, I think, what were three very interesting and very just compellingly written characters to do to, to work through with Series 8, I thought it was just very refreshing. And he was such a, a, a different, um, just a different complete character type that we'd seen before. So I just really appreciate him as a character. Yeah, I'm just thinking about un- unconscious bias and I'm I'm wondering maybe I'm giving uh, maybe I'm not giving Stephen enough credit here but I'm wondering whether they kind of knew before they cast Samuel Anderson as Danny Payne that they were going to cast a black guy because I don't know because, I wonder yeah, that yeah I'm thinking about Mickey <laughs> and what we've just talked about about the kind of his sort of disappointing journey in, in terms of gravitating towards a stereotype uh, it, Mickey to me in series one seems like it was a race blind casting and it seems like Russell didn't necessarily know that he was going to cast no, no Clark in that role, right. which which right. leads to things like the unfortunate treatment of Mickey by the doctor that would not, would not seem as wrong if it was a, if Mickey was played by a white actor. Right. Right. But it, but it also means that the series two incarnation of Mickey has been written once Russell knows he's got a black actor in the role. Exactly. And that's kind of damning in a way. It's yeah, exactly. Um in terms of <laughs> Russell's unconscious bias. Exactly. And that's why I always say is that I I think we like this year has been especially interesting, but I I really love that people are are finally I feel like I feel like 
myself and others have been just like screaming into the void for years, waiting for people to listen. And this year has been super interesting. People mm. actually have been listening. But I think one of the things that really needs to change, and I know everybody's talked about it, but like we just need to change the way we perceive and talk about race and racism as in, in regards to it's not like, and I, and I know it's been said everywhere, but I feel like I keep having to explain it to people. Like, don't tell me that a, B, and C person, people are not racist because mm -hmm. it is all in us, because it is the constant underlying theme of our existence and our lives, because it's the system that we're born into. So just like if, you know, someone's playing like a song in the background very softly and you're singing it hours later, like it's just there. Yeah. And you have to you have to actively work against like the ideas that if I have to learn, unlearn anti-blackness, like in regards to my vision of my perception of myself and my perception of like other members of my community, like, of course everybody else does too. So like when somebody calls you out, it's not a big deal. It's just say noted. Yeah. I think and people, people attempt to take it personally, aren't they? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, I think to, to people, it feels the same as if somebody says, Oh, what you've just said or what you've just done is racist. It feels like somebody telling you, Oh, what you've just said or what you've just done is, is mean or, um, or vindictive, or and it's like it's not really equivalent. It because, do you know what I mean? It's not it's not reflective yeah, of your character exactly. necessarily. It's reflective of the society of the of the same problem, the illness that has been put in us since we sure. could walk. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I w I'm wondering, um, kind of how Doctor Who is going to respond to this movement um, this year, because obviously. Series yeah, 13's yeah. in production and the Chibnall era has really gone out of its way to um, to look at, uh, for better or for worse, social justice issues and, and yeah. history and in yeah, a new being way. Yeah, being an officer and yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see where that will go. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see. Um, I don't think I'm worried anymore. Like, I haven't been worried about... I feel like, um, like I said, I just... I'm always open-minded and willing to see and excited to see and like hopeful to see what people will will do with these stories because like you know Chibnall's the first era we even ever had any writers of color which is like ridiculous um but we've got some interesting stories coming forward and I'm just so excited to see more because as far as I'm concerned this just means better content like I'm just like in the future it can only get better like hopefully <laughs> and even if it, we do have our pitfalls like there's just so much room, especially with this show, which is why I love it so much, is there's always so much room to do so many amazing things. And I don't think, especially as, I think maybe that's the one perk, the one great thing I can say of having a, year, a show that's been on for almost 60 years and has only had, has mostly only had white people at the helm is mm -hmm. that that just means there are so many more stories to be told. Like, that's the exciting thing to me is that, you haven't told a lot of stories. You haven't told so many stories because everyone's like, oh, you're just going to run out of material. No, you just change up the people telling the stories and you're going to get fabulous new material. So I'm so excited about it. Yeah, the only way is up, right? Yeah, exactly. That does feel exciting. That does feel exciting. Um, yeah, and we, d we don't know anything about the future. We're in that weird mm -hmm. kind of um, black <laughs> spot, aren't we? With uh, exactly. the future of Doctor Who. So that's exciting. I just want more Joe Martin. Um, right, ASAP. right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Great. Um, do you want to talk about uh, the Lazarus exper experiment then? I still don't understand where that thing came from. 
Is it alien? No, for once it's strictly human in origin. Human? How can it be human? Probably from dormant genes in Lazarus's DNA. The energy field in this thing must have reactivated them. Now it looks like they're becoming dominant. So it's a throwback? Some option that evolution rejected for you millions of years ago. But the potential is still there. Locked away in your genes. Forgotten about until Lazarus unlocked it by mistake. Okay, so I have a feeling, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the general fan consensus is like, I did think this was an unpopular opinion. Like, I feel like it's an episode that gets a lot of flack. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it at all. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I watched it. Yeah. I and watched it is... <laughs> last week actually. Um, I'm, uh -huh. I'm with a friend. I'm going through. I'm just rewatching everything from series one right. onwards. And yeah, we did right. the Lazarus experiment last week. And oh, blimey, I'm not a fan of it oh, at yeah. all. Oh yeah. I think another thing is that I, I because I came to the show on my own, like I was kind of in my own little bottle. So I wasn't. I always go back and read reviews of things, but I wasn't necessarily reading episode by episode review mm. of like the ones that I was binging from the past. Cause I, like I said, I started with the, with the 11th doctor and went forward, but I was also going back and watching 10 at the, like nine forward at the same time. Yeah. So I did binge watch it. And I just remember just, just so enjoying the entire RTD era as well. Um, but specifically this episode, now I'm not going to lie. I think I might have initially immediately liked it because I think there are several, um, I think there are quite a few Spider-Man references in this episode. And are you a big Spider-Man fan? Spider fan? Right, okay. We're huge Spider-Man fans. So, like, immediately when they go into, like, the the center and they have that little, like, the machine that he's using for his experiments, it just reminds me of the machine from Spider-Man 2. It's um, very Doc Ock, isn't it? I, I was literally talking about like... this because <laughs> it's, it's hilarious that... Professor Lazarus is called Professor Lazarus, and that's exactly. obviously it's related to, to the power he eventually has. Exactly. And it really makes I me think about right um, Dr. Otto <laughs> Octavius. Uh, exactly. <laughs> there is something quite supervillain like, about it. The no the, I love it when names are ridiculously on the nose. It makes me supremely happy. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, his little speech before he goes in, like, I think the difference is that, like, I think, um, I, re -re I recently rewatched Spider-Man 2, and I was like, I, I love Doc Ock's character so much, because he is generally, he wasn't a bad guy, it just, things got a little out of hand. The, the parallel <laughs> is, Lazarus is so arrogant from the beginning, Yeah. Um, but the speech going into it is similar, and then um, the whole explosion and everything, and then later when they're in the church... And the doctor uses the organs, which is a, I feel like it's a direct reference, like, like literally some, like literally at me, anybody, it's a direct reference to the bell tower and the symbiote, <laughs> <Sorry>, like, <laughs> getting, um, the symbiote. And, the, and I literally looked it up just to be sure, because I know it's actually in the comics, but I was like, when did Spider-Man three come out? And it came out the day after this episode. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So, like, I know they didn't, they, there was, like, no, like, writing, but I feel like it might have just been a thing in the consciousness. Yeah, it must have been. It must have been. Um, but, yeah, overall, the, the real reason I like this episode is, um, like, I love Martha's era. I love Martha. Like, I, I, it's so annoying to, like, see her be put down, like, throughout the era, but she's so smart in this episode. Um, and I, I, I do love seeing her family, even though it's a little bit crazy. But um, I really, what I really find compelling about this episode is, like, the, the, the thing is, the CGI just really just doesn't bother me. Um, I love Merlin, so I'm used to looking at bad dragons, like, all the time. <laughs> so um, 
Honestly, the, the though, it, it is some of the most appalling CGI work. I, I think it's some of the shots so are bad. The, the most appalling CGI shots in Doctor Who ever. It is it is so bad, but like and the funny thing but the funny thing is, is that usually if it's so bad, it can't be in a way that makes you laugh. But like honestly, I'm so into the story that it doesn't like I don't even think about it that much. Like aside from like when they do the close up of Mark Gavin's face <laughs> Um very funny um but also but the the, the science just... makes i mean obviously it's doctor who i'm not expecting the science to make any <laughs> sense but it's it's the way they try and explain it with real science and they say that it's um it, in the dna there's like a hidden evolutionary path that humans yeah. could have taken mm-hmm. and that's why he turns into this enormous scorpion right it, which is such a, a it... fundamental misunderstanding of both dna and evolution <laughs> Oh, of course. Oh, it's of just course. like and the, and the completely. Is like usually... And the writer seems to think that that's like plausible. I don't know. Oh, I completely understand. That's the thing. Is like usually like some science that is so bad and so cheesy will immediately take. Kill the Moon is a great episode, but it took me it took me like three watches to be like, this is great because I was obsessed with the fact that if the moon disappeared, the world would be plunged into mm. complete chaos that by is the true. ocean. That is true. So like that one really bothered me because I'd read this book in high school all about how like an asteroid hit the moon and the whole world was just a complete disaster zone. So that one took me a second to like completely appreciate because it is a great story but this one i think what really just gets me is that like the doctor's immediate so immediately skeptical of like lazarus's like experiment and like obviously they make it seem like the science but like looking directly into Tennant's face like this whole episode is so directly i think it's really funny because he is the he is the the modern who doctor who wanted to leave the least so this whole episode is dealing with regeneration um and coming to terms with death um and like i think the doctor and and lazarus are like literally direct foils of each other Mm. um which is what i was saying is like i think you know danny could basically see and recognize the exploitation because lazarus is over here like sucking the quote-unquote life source out of people um and like a very clear and malicious way um and also like he's indicating this before with his like very skeevy attention to like all of the young attractive women like specifically martha and her sister which is skeevy oh, in another I've, yeah, way yeah i've got some Com- thoughts about that um oh that yeah share for in a sure. minute, but yeah oh for sure um but if you if you think about it like it is like kind of a dark coin to like the doctor is like he's always he regenerates um <laughs> he drags some usually hapless young woman along with him on you know whatever adventures he's doing they go on these adventures like and then they are in some way like disposed of whether or not it's like safely or happily or whatever the case may be it's very similar and i think like the doctor's immediate skepticism and like with lazarus was like recognizing a bit of himself Mm. Mm. in that concept like from the beginning yeah whether whether um, knowingly or unknowingly so, yeah exactly just like he was so upset just by the idea and he goes on to talk about lazarus it's like lazarus is like you know the only thing about living forever is that you you you're old and you watch everybody around you die and lazarus is like i think i would be okay with that mm. but um and he basically admonishes him for for you know literally sucking the life force out of people 
and you know he's Lazarus is like I changed the course of history and doctor the doctor says any one of them might have done the same so I think he's like coming to terms of like what he constantly does but he still says um facing death is part of being human you can't change that and then Lazarus says no doctor avoiding death that's being human that's our strongest impulse um we cling to life with every fiber of our being and it's really funny because like Ten didn't want to face death. Yeah, <laughs> he did yeah. not want to face like, death. Take he a look in the like, mirror. He's the most human Exactly. He's like the most human of, I think, of all of the modern doctors. Definitely. And of any doctor, Lazarus probably. is... Exactly. And he definitely is the doctor who who proved Lazarus right in that point because he's mm-hmm. the one who cling, who clung so tightly to life, his to his life. Yeah. And I think he was just very uncomfortable with him in general throughout the story. And I really just enjoy seeing that like look into tent. I mean, I also, Martha's fabulous in this episode. Um, but just seeing that parallel between these characters the entire time. And then like all the other Spider-Man references just really gave me, it gives me so much joy. And I always enjoy this episode. Like I, I've never not liked it. Yeah, it's, it's not a boring watch. That's for sure. No, it's not boring at all. And that that's what I look, don't make it boring. <laughs> that the thing I was gonna say about the Lazarus's skeeviness is, it, it really struck me when I was watching it last week that the sh- the the show and the the episode kind of presents the skeeviness as only problematic because he's old. Like, oh no! Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. Like, so when t- when he becomes young, suddenly Tish is like, um, is like really happy to reciprocate his advance. It's like implies that super weird yeah it's super (laughs) weird it's like that no the problem isn't that he was old the problem's that he was like incredibly creepy and uncomfortable incredibly Um, incredibly so and he did seem to like he did not i like i did not notice him hitting on any of the white men in the room i'm just saying like it was specifically martha and that's true (laughs) which is like a whole other thing that's true Um, i guess he has his um his wife right his his old lady (laughs) wife that he's disgusted by oh my gosh yes Um, (laughs) so ageist (laughs) oh yeah oh for or oh for sure (laughs) um but yeah no another thing that occurred to me um in terms of this episode when i was watching it was that um the you feel like it's ended and then the whole um southern cathedral scene begins and there's like a whole other bit to the episode it's really strange right um and seems i don't know this it, this something off about it for me i completely understand that but i i am just saying it's like i have no filter for it because i'm like yes this is spider-man <laughs> one so i'm totally here i completely understand it because it does feel like it's ended um but honestly i kind of i kind of like it because you know what? it feels like um a horror movie because a lot of horror movies will do that i just watched mm-hmm. alien the other night and so, you, you know, you get to the point where, like, all of this drama has happened and you're, like, at a quiet place and you think it's done. But, oh, wait, it's not done. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> into that's round true. two. And I've always, like, been into that. So I, I honestly really appreciated it. Um, I really appreciated just having some quality time with, like, quality sister time with Martha mm, and her sister. Mm. Because, like, I don't think that's a thing you really see. Because, um, you know, you had Mickey, you had Rose's mom, but... Like you don't really have companions hanging out with their siblings that often, and just no, not that like, often. Yeah, and this is one of the time, like the only other time you really see her family is when they're introduced, and then at the end when they're all going through all this heckin' drama. Yeah, yeah. So like just being able to see them be sisters, and like to see you know just two black women just being sisters, mm. and then you know 
sniping, but you know, just being sisters. It was just really nice, um, and I just really enjoy it. Yeah, her family's an interesting one because they mm-hmm. were never quite as fully developed as Rose's family. Not not no, not no. just because Rose had two seasons either. I think less work is done in in series three to develop Martha's family. They're they're, they're oh, more for sure. they're more broadly sketched out. Um, oh, for sure. But yeah, Lazarus is one of those episodes where they they do get to shine a, a little bit more. Exactly, exactly. Um, and and also just like looking at Martha herself. Um, in addition to her being like very particularly useful, I think in this episode, there's a moment where I think you could see like the slight difference between her and maybe some other companions is that when she tells her family to go and to get out when she's being her first responder self and she says, I'll be right behind you. I first, I thought she was making that up and she was immediately going to run away to help the doctor because I, I didn't remember, mm. but no, she's actually going with them. And at the last minute she's at the door and she's like, I, I can't leave him. I'm going to go back. <laughs> and she like, changes her mind, but she was going to do the smart, logical yeah. thing and like be with her family because she is like, so she does love her family and care for them an extreme amount. And I think that's another thing is because she's like Rose, you know, she loves her mom, but most of the companions immediately ditch their family slash friends yeah, y- for the doctor yeah, at all Rose times. Would, would ultimately she would drop the, her family. Yeah. Very doctor. rudely too. And she kind and of like, does she, in, like... in doomsday. <laughs> exactly. She has to make that choice. And she goes, no, I'd rather be with you doctor. Whereas if Martha was in that situation, you just know that she'd definitely pick her family. Exactly. And I really appreciate it because I think a lot of stock is put into how the how Martha like just pines over the doctor the whole time and just like it it is a very squicky weird power dynamic. It's a weird racial dynamic. It's a whole weird thing. But just to see that in the end when she chooses her family, it's not just because the doctor doesn't treat her no, like no. equivalent to what her she's worth. Like you can see earlier on that she does care deeply for her family mm. um and she's even she when they're, back n- to the doctor they're not necessarily the, the best of her all exactly the they were being really rude the entire time <laughs> um and they try and sell her out to saxon as well to do. oh for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah martha that's the thing but, yeah. like, Rus- russell goes almost goes out of his way to make francine jones a totally insufferable uh, uh, presence <laughs> in every scene she's in <laughs> it's true um she kind of it's redeems herself true. at the end of the season yes um, more than Donna's, because he kind of pulls the same trick with Donna's mom the following season. Oh my god, Donna's and mom is the worst. She is honestly the one worst. of the worst characters in anything. <laughs> she has no it's redeeming so features. To watch. Yeah, none, none, none. None at all. It's so hard to watch. It's yeah. so hard to watch. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, there's actually a book by oh God. Who is it by? I can't remember, but it is a uh, David Tennant era Donna book, um, which kind of fleshes out. Sylvia's character a little bit more and makes her more sympathetic, which is an almighty feat considering how awful she I is. I don't know how I feel about it, but <laughs> I just don't know. Do I want? <laughs> do I want to feel sympathetic towards Sylvia? Oh um, man, she just said some things that cut me. I'm like, I'm not even there. <laughs> yeah, she's she is brutal to oh, Donna. Man. To be fair. Um, oh, it's so bad. Yeah, Francine's never like that, and, and to be fair, like Francine's right to be suspicious of the Doctor. Yes. Indeed, indeed. You can understand yeah, why you would he... feel like that in her position. Exactly. And I, you know, I get it because, like, the doctor is just a very 
a talk he's a very talky charming swashbuckly dude and i'm sure she had enough of that from her husband mm. and i completely like she and danny oh we're gonna do parallels again <laughs> you have all of the you're around all of these very authoritative smooth charming people and you're just like i've had it like there's a there's a quotient for the the bullcrap and i i can smell it now <laughs> yeah so yeah people who just aren't taken in <laughs> yeah i mean even if they have to be a little angry about it francine gets a character gets a relatively large amount of characterization especially towards the end we get tish gets herself a, um a good amount of character work in the lazarus experiment and then again in the, mm-hmm. in the finale clive and leo we never really we never really get as much um right or, right we? i don't I, I don't know why that right. is maybe it's just because they have less screen time i don't know yeah, I and I honestly like I really like I enjoy seeing the whole family, but it's 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 completely fine. I don't mind focusing on the female characters. Mm-hmm. Like it would be nice if we had time for everybody, but like it's fine. <laughs> I think I read that with with Leo, he's supposed to be ca- he was supposed to be captured with the rest of the family in the in the finale, but um Reggie Yates like wasn't available, like there was a scheduling okay. conflict, so that's why he kind of gets completely sidelined. And manages right, to escape. Right. It's weird how he like manages to evade Saxon somehow in exactly. the finale. But it's literally because yeah, they, she's they, like, just go, just go. Yeah, they and didn't he doesn't have really Reggie Yates. <laughs> he doesn't strike me as a person who would necessarily just listen to his sister. No, not at all. <laughs> from like all. that sort of short explanation, but yeah, you exactly. know. <laughs> we 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 can we can forgive that. Maybe we've got a little bit of time to talk about fear. Her, you know, why not? Oh, okay. <laughs> you want? Oh man. Yeah, I'm game. <laughs> Great. So yeah, um, the, one of the other episodes that you that you pitched to me was Fear Her, and we touched on it a little bit at the start. And when you were talking about it, I regretted um, not suggesting we talk about it properly. So let's yeah, let's just do that. Oh, it's okay. No, yeah. Honestly, it's really funny because I never understood because um, it wasn't when I watched it. Like I said, it was the first one I saw just by happenstance. I really thoroughly enjoyed it, but I didn't realize it was a Doctor Who. You know, because it was like, I know it was a Doctor Who episode, but like later on when I was hearing about Doctor Who, I didn't really connect them mm, at mm. all until I was going back through series two and came across it. I was like, oh, that's what I want. I was very confused because it was the, it was just a random episode in the middle of a series. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know who these people were. I was just very charmed by it, but it wasn't also the kind of episode that would pull you in. So no. I was wondering, I was like, iTunes, if you're going to give away a free episode give away a free episode that's gonna make people want to buy the entire series yeah yeah yeah. yeah it's um, a strange episode to to try to try and sell the series on to be honest exactly whatever you think of um, it whether you think it's good or bad it's a it's right. a strange one to try and sell it's, the series on it's weirdly in the middle um so yeah i think honestly my fondness for it has to be with has to do with the fact that i came back to it and i was like oh this but also just um i think honestly this is, and I love Ten and I love Rose, but I think this is peak insufferable Ten and Rose. Right. Um, peak. And so <laughs> when I enjoy, when I say I enjoy this episode, I, I really do because there's, a, I think there's a lot of humor and I just like to laugh. Mm. Um, but honestly, they're, they're kind of a mess. Um, <laughs> but I honestly really enjoy the Chloe Weber aspect as well because it is, it's kind of Chloe only Weber. lightly touched. I know. <laughs> lightly touched on and it's so like very oddly done and yeah, a very yeah. like we it's so weird it's just it's so weird but 
at the same time, I, I, I do appreciate that they try to touch a little bit on family trauma, which is like, mm. um, I like they, and I don't. I think what I really hitting appreciate on some is because, of those um, some of those offensive racial stereotypes again, though, with exactly, the with the abusive exactly. father and everything. Exactly, and it's not and it's not a thing. It's not a thing. But I think what I enjoyed about it was seeing like because her mom was kind of like. Um, very detached and very spacey throughout. Mm. And she's that's a really good act- actor. She's in quite a lot of stuff. I really, I really like her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've seen her in things. Yeah. Um, she was in um, think... His Dark Materials um, last year. Um, oh, I have not actually caught up. I have not watched it, and it's not by any choice. Yeah, it's I really just good. Have not, <laughs> I know, I know. I've heard so many things. I'm really looking forward to actually digging in, but I find that like in like the quarantine before I went back to work, I, I didn't want to watch television all day mm. or I felt utterly horrible. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I really didn't do any of the catching up that I planned on doing. Yeah. No, um, that's understandable. But, but yeah, no, I think what I appreciated is that the happy ending was the, was an ending in which the mother and the daughter reconciled and mm. like trauma was kind of addressed because I think like a lot of the time it will be swept under the rug or the problem will be like superficially solved. Like the doctor, doctor will come in, like save the day or whatever. But like the actual underlying problem, like isn't really talked about or discussed. Yeah. Like, so the fact that she was able to actually take her daughter in her arms and like acknowledge the fact that she was like kind of party and creating this kind of monster in the closet by not really dealing with her issues. Yeah. I think is really beautiful to me. Um, because I think that's a, that's a thing a lot is that people like, once again, like not addressing trauma mm. to, to the point of detriment. It's just, it's just really bad. So I think I just really enjoyed seeing that done, even if it was in a very like haphazard and weird episode. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, there's certain things about uh, episode that, that are done really well. And that's one of them. Um, I yeah. think the, the Olympics yeah. stuff, um, the less said about that, oh, the better. Oh man. Oh man. Man, oh man! <laughs> it's the way that there is no point to it. It's the way that everybody disappears in the uh, in the stadium. <laughs> Hugh Edwards is is yeah. commenting, uh, commentating it, and then yeah, he he's just like, oh my god, everyone's just spontaneously disappeared, and they they carry on with the torch bearing ceremony. Like they still exactly. just they don't call the whole thing off. Like the guy's still running around with the Olympic torch. It's like, do you guys maybe want to check why everyone's disappeared from the stadium? Um, it's yeah, it's totally absurd. <laughs> it is completely ridiculous. And like I said, like I understand why it wasn't something that would pull me in, like just from that watch. Because why why would it? But it was. It's honestly just one of those ones that when I do come across it, I would never skip it. Like mm. if I'm watching. A series to if I'm doing a series to rewatch, like I would I would just never skip it. It's I mean, maybe ninety percent of because of the council scenes, which I find to be delightful. Um, council, what a rock star character. Cal, yeah. <laughs> um but honestly, it's just it's it's got um it's got like a popcorn y kind of feel to me and yeah, it's such a weird story there's so many weird, weird little story. things about it at the start where the tardis that tardis parking scene is really funny oh yeah um, oh yeah oh yeah 
And it reminded me that I didn't really understand, like, just watching this, like, I kind of just, it's hilarious. I kind of just blanket accept things if I'm, like, watching something new. Mm. So I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's just bigger on the end without, like, any, like, sort of explanation. I was like, cool, cool, completely reasonable, makes right? Makes sense, yeah. Um, <laughs> moving on. But the, the weird um, thing in yeah. that scene is they've tried to, like, add bits of detail to make you know that it's 2012 even though it's right. airing in, in 2006 and one of the de- right. bits of detail is they put a poster on the wall for shane ward's greatest hits and i don't know whether you're aware of shane ward uh, in america no. probably not but sh- so shane ward was the winner of the x factor that year okay um, okay so he was like a new, oh, a new okay. pop star so they, they're trying to <laughs> imply really that he's funny. like got a greatest hits and everything <laughs> Um, that's really funny yeah the irony being that he went nowhere um, that's so funny <laughs> he was in coronation street for a bit but he certainly never released the greatest hits album see that's the thing is i always just like to say it's just another timeline yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. 100% <laughs> it's an alternate universe where timeline. shane ward became really successful exactly exactly oh man it's just it's it's so strange um it's it's such a weird blend of very dark and very like random and yeah. hilarious that it's just i think it hits all of those moods while like not being something you have to pay so much attention to so yeah, it's, it's just quite, a very it's like relaxed telly overall isn't it exactly exactly and i and just like the fact that that would be the one the first one i'd ever seen in life it's just so random yeah. <laughs> it's really funny um, the yeah, the Doctor and Rose as well in that look really weird. Like, um, she's got that weird mm-hmm. side ponytail going on, which is really strange. And yeah, the Doctor and he... has a collarless shirt, and you can like see his I chest. Know! It's really odd. Like, what? <laughs> like, why? Why did they do that? It's just, I it's no just idea. yeah, it's just really odd. It's so strange. It's so strange. Yeah, like I said, they're at peak ridiculousness. They're just. Yeah, completely out of control in series two. Completely. Out of I think. Con- yeah. yeah, I think you can tell that it was a, it was like a last minute script that they had to, because they had mm-hmm. to like rush it into production because Stephen Fry was supposed to be writing an episode and, um, right, and right, then he pulled right. out like quite last minute. So they had to. That was, Fear Her was a script that Matthew Graham was writing for series three, and they had to like bring right. it forward and make it really quickly. And I think you can tell. Because it's so cheaply made, it's so, it none of it really makes sense or lines up. Like it's got, it's got like the the two plot threads with the Olympics and Chloe exactly. and <laughs> Chloe doing the drawings, then like Chloe's dad, and it's it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I think yeah, you can tell it's it's a bit rushed. It is for sure, and I think I think also it just benefited from me like once again not watching it live, mm, mm. like just watching it in a binge, and it just being like something that's a little ridiculous yeah, but yeah when you watch it on a rewatch it, yeah it just is what it is right exactly yeah the expectations for week to week is a thing and like like i said i don't like to go in with like high expectations or like very like not high expectations i go in with high expectations but i don't go in with expecting like very specific things to happen yeah or like anything to necessarily feel a certain way mm-hmm. so when you're binge watching it just releases you i think from a lot of that definitely um it can make it just very enjoyable when you're when you're going through the first time so i just find it delightful <laughs> yeah and i think there's a thing with doctor who fans where we're always worried about the public are gonna think and that's not mm-hmm. something you have to worry about when you're rewatching. and it's not something you ever of have course. to worry about but it's not something you feel compelled to worry about <laughs> um when you're, right when you're exactly. re-watching. um 
but yeah, fear her. What a story. <laughs> there's also that moment at the end where that the, like foreshadows the finale, and the doctor's like, there's, "There's a storm coming," and you're like, "What does that? What does that mean? Why are you saying it? It's so it's weird." Looking off into the... <laughs> really, really yes. odd. Um, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> thank you thank you so much for talking to me um Samantha. i really appreciate oh, it thank you so much for having me this was um, so much fun where can people find you on twitter and uh find bits of your writing and stuff um yeah so i haven't written anything in a little bit actually that's not true um <laughs> um i did a, my instagram is the same as my twitter handle which is Safarox. um that's S-A-F-A-R-O-X. I was 12. Sof is my middle name. Draw your own conclusions. Um, <laughs> um, but um, I have done a piece for my friend on millennials in the comic industry, um, like specifically cartoons and comics, um, on, her, on her magazine, which is Audacity Magazine. Um, and that's the link to that is in my Instagram bio. Um, and hopefully I'll just be writing more in the future. But um, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, and I think that's about it for right now. <laughs> fantastic uh and you can find the podcast um as usual at galactic pod on twitter you can email me at galactic pod at gmail.com and you can find me on twitter at molly underscore martian um thank you so much samantha bye bye thank you thank you